Welcome to Lamb of Thrones Radio. This episode of the podcast is the audio accompaniment for my latest newsletter. The newsletter is called I Don't Know Why I'm Like This, and you can find it on Tiny Letter. I'll be providing the link in the bio of uh, the description portion, rather, of this podcast. And the title of this particular letter is Prospero's Books slash Blink-182. One of my favorite things to do with this newsletter is to take two seemingly unrelated ideas, plop them next to each other, and see if they develop any chemistry. Even if I am not sure if these two ideas will get along, I have to trust that they are both occupying my thoughts at the same time for a reason. If I fail to uncover that reason by writing, then I hope at the least that their contrast sparks something interesting. In January, I was invited to join some friends to watch the film Prospero's Books. As you might guess from the title, the film is an adaptation of Shakespeare's The Tempest. The Tempest is deeply weird in its own right, but Prospero's Books is some truly out there shit. The film was directed by Peter Greenaway, who first came onto my radar after Ari Aster cited him as an influence on Hereditary. All due respect to Aster, but what Greenaway did here is on a totally different planet than Aster's last two movies. Greenaway has a background in painting, murals specifically, and isn't shy to show it in his filmmaking. He frames scenes with a remove that gives him the room to fill each shot with droves of extras or pose his characters against meticulously detailed backgrounds. Most of the movie feels like a stage play across a few different sets, interspersed with uh, picture-in-picture shots that break from reality. Nearly all of the dialogue is piped in through voiceover with heavy reverb and has to compete with a relentlessly active score by Michael Nyman. Realism clearly is not what Greenaway is going for. Short digression. It would not surprise me if the YouTuber ContraPoints was either a fan of or at least familiar with Greenaway's movies. Uh, ContraPoints videos have a similar visual overload style to them, uh, although obviously with a lower budget and totally different artistic aim. None of these choices are simply Greenaway trying to be challenging for the sake of it, though. The Tempest is a play about a control freak orchestrating an elaborate, manipulative plan of revenge before learning gradually to let his old grudges go. The title character of Prospero's books reshapes reality around his whims, so the movie's exaggerated and artificial style is entirely appropriate. But seeing that relationship between Greenaway's aesthetics and the story he's trying to tell requires trust. I was completely thrown by the opening five minutes of the movie, but if I had written it off as just weird for weird's sake, I would have had a way worse time watching it. In order to push past the movie's surface, I had to believe that there was more to it than the surface. Also, this January, what feels like 10 years ago now, a friend of mine asked me to play drums for a Blink-182 cover band for a Bernie Sanders benefit concert. 
It was an immediate yes for me, despite not knowing any of the material we'd be playing. I had a month and a half to learn the songs, plenty of time, as long as I took it seriously. Thing is, I wasn't unfamiliar with Blink-182. On the contrary, I had actively despised them for years of my life. At the height of my teenage snobbery, I held fans of Blink-182's drummer, Travis Barker, in particularly low regard. Because I saw the drummers that I liked and tried to play like as superior to Barker, I was frustrated that people held him up as the pinnacle of rock drumming. His popularity among non-musicians was especially annoying to me because it threw into question whether the skills I was developing even mattered to audiences. I had made the classic teen musician mistake. I had conflated aesthetic preferences for quality and taste for personality. I took the benign differences in what kind of music people liked as a personal affront because I viewed it as a threat to my own musical identity. I had hitched my wagon to heavy metal, uh, a subculture with a cultivated disdain for pop-punk bands like Blink-182. I thought that they were a bunch of sex-obsessed SoCal knuckleheads playing a commercialized version of a previously underground genre. Instead, I spent my time listening to Korn, a different bunch of sex-obsessed SoCal knuckleheads playing a commercialized version of a previously underground genre. Thankfully, as an adult, these kinds of petty subculture wars don't factor into my life anymore. It is much easier for me to listen past the identity signifiers associated with the band and actually hear the music for what it is. More importantly, I had to learn how to play Blink-182's songs, and in order to do that, I had to listen intently for what made their songs work. Travis Barker is a very good drummer. Cooked crow for one, please. Barker brought Blink-182 to another level as a pop rock act. His excellent control of tempo brought the floor up for the whole band. Even if the song was juvenile nonsense, Barker would make it at least well executed. Barker finds ways to inject specific details into his parts that make each song distinct from each other. The most cynical way to look at this is that Barker found a way to entertain himself while playing with significantly more limited musicians. But having played the songs myself, I look at it a bit differently. Barker's specificity improves Blink-182's writing significantly. He helps give shape and distinction to an otherwise uniform group of songs. That he is able to balance enforcing his personality on the songs and allowing the vocal melody to still take center stage is legit impressive. Learning another musician's songs takes trust, too. You are following a blueprint, and you have to hope that what you are building entertains your audience. When things go right, you don't just feel gratified. You feel gratitude to the maker of the plan. Watching people crowd surf and sing together in a small Brooklyn bar didn't just tell me that I was doing a good job, but that Barker had done a good job to begin with. Thanks for listening. You can find information about how to find the newsletter in the description of this podcast. Uh, in addition, you can subscribe to this podcast on the iTunes podcast app or listen to it on SoundCloud. Links will be in the description as well. 
You can find me on Twitter at Ian K. Corey. Oh, excuse me, that's not correct. That's my Instagram handle, Ian K. Corey, is me on Instagram. On Twitter, I am Lamniforms underscore. Until next time.